Good morning, Whitewater. Good morning. You guys are awake. That's great. I was I was wondering in the last service there were people like crawling under chairs, like look, and I just didn't understand. And then I remembered that there's Starbucks cards, or you know, and wasn't there like there's like one like a hundred thousand dollars or something? Like, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the chairs are getting thrown. That bastard, he done lied to me. Um, oh, it's so good to see you here. I want to welcome you to Whitewater. It's a place you can belong before you believe, meaning that you can explore faith in community before you believe the things I believe or maybe some of the others in our church believe. We're so glad you're here. Uh, how many of you guys were on spring break? Any of you guys have spring break last week or last two weeks? A few, only a few? So sad. My wife's a teacher, so she was on break. We got away for a few days. It was awesome. We were some friends. I had my little daughter, five years old, and my son, who is eight, almost eight months. And we were playing Jenga. My, my daughter's like, she's like the queen of Jenga now. She loves it. And she's got these little dainty fingers. And she'll just like, with no shaking, complete confidence, just be like, Wacha! and take the, jen- the Jenga block out and just, and set it fearless. So we're playing with some friends and she's popping these things on just, I mean, in just a moment where everyone else is like, ah, ah, you know, they got all this fear and she's just like, pa. And it was so funny. And they're like, she is so darling. She's so cute. And I was like, hey, Novella, show them my precious. And they're like, what? Does she do a precious thing? And she was like, my precious. <laughs> I grew up reading Lord of the Rings. And so I was, it was an extremely proud moment is all I'm going to say. It's so good to see you guys. Uh, I want to jump into, uh, into, into the sermon right away. And the first thing I wanted to tell you is I was 13 years old. I was 13 years old when I first felt the call of God in my life to serve him. I was 13 years old. I was at this big gathering. It was all these, it was for like men, people who are Christians, people who are like exploring faith, you know, similar to a church, but it was, was a kind of a men's conference and it was in the nineties. And so we had like this crazy, uh, bald, it was, it was more of a skullet. Do you guys know what a skullet is? It's got the ball. There might be a few of you in here with that, which is amazing. And it's just this huge party in the back, no hair at all. And he was playing his flute and dancing. Uh, and it was, it was pretty awesome. And then there was like a conga player. The congas were disproportionately loud to the rest of the band. He was sort of this do, 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 do during the music. And, you know, uh, and there was a, we had, like us, we have a great saxophone player. It might have been the same one. I don't know. Uh, back in the nineties. And there was speaker after speaker. And I was 13 years old and kind of phasing in and out. And then for some reason, I don't even remember who it was. I don't remember fully what they said, but I felt God all of a sudden like grab my heart and start speaking directly to me. And I'd, I'd known God, I had known Jesus since I was very little, but I was 13 years old when I felt God's call on my life. And I just remember like, it was such a bizarre experience. It was just like everything that was being said was like speaking to me and there was more than what was being said that was like being internalized. And I that day I, I walked out just feeling like God was calling me to be part of building the kingdom. I didn't know what it would look like, but I just felt God's call on my life. It was so heavy. I remember just physically, I mean, my knees were kind of shaking and my heart was racing. I just, And I t- remember telling my dad as we were walking out and, you know, I felt God speaking to me and I didn't really know how to describe it. And, you know, my dad didn't dismiss it. It's been really easy to dismiss what God was speaking to just a 13 year old, like, what, what do you know? And, um, and just kind of pat me on the head, but he took it seriously and started talking through it with me. And, um, it's amazing how young we can be and we can, we can know God's voice, isn't it? And, um, I, from that day on, like my, my life had a trajectory 
that was different than when I'd walked into that building on that day. There's this verse that we've been using in our, in our built series. Our whole series is about being the church, being built up as God's church, being built up individually, that God wants you to grow and to develop and to, to become or to reach your spiritual potential like that he designed you for. And there's this uh, verse in Acts chapter 9 that says, So the church... God's church, his community, the community of Jesus people, broken people, messed up people, but people who are saved by grace and being grown by grace. It says the church throughout all Judea, Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit it multiplied. God was growing his church then when it, the church of Jesus Christ was launched into this world in a new and amazing way. And, and, and his church is still being built up and multiplied. And I'm going to preach a little different than I normally do. Um, I'm going to read because when I, I don't know why it is, but whenever I talk about calling, personal calling, where like God has a plan for each one of you and it's unique and it's distinct. And, and when we step into that, when we recognize that calling, when we realize the purpose that God has for our life, and you might not even know God, but he still can have a call for you. You just aren't aware of it yet. And I, I don't know, I get emotional. So I kind of wrote this down. I'm going to read what I have. And I know it's a little different, but I, but I hope that you would hear this coming from my heart. Now, I believe that God's church is the world not programs not politics not politicians not armies not great technology in this present darkness in this broken world the church is the hope for the world the light on the hill the light in the darkness the church is 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 jesus community we're not the ones doing the saving but we're the we're the city on the hill the people who have been saved the ones that god wants to use to help others The church is the only thing that will last. The church has and will outlast nations and borders and movements. The church of Jesus has and will outlast any institution, any government, any business, whether it's Apple, Google, Facebook, you name it. The church has been there before and will be there after. The church has outlasted every movement. It is God's kingdom force on the earth for good. For good. Standing against evil. Standing with God the Father, standing with God the Son, standing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And for some reason, God uses broken people like you and like me to shine His grace and accomplish His purposes and His will on the earth. There's no other more broken, beautiful, and blessed community on the planet than the church. Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. I believe that the church, God's church, is the hope of the world. What do you believe? See, when we get put in hot water, that's when we really find out what our convictions are. And I, and I want to call to anybody who would maybe serve Christ a little bit, know Christ a bit, to maybe you've been living your life for a while now, and you would, you would claim to be a Christian, or maybe you've been following with everything you have for the last 40 years. You know, I don't know your story, but what I want to call anybody who is moving towards Jesus, I want to call you into your calling today. I want to ask you, what are your convictions? When we get put in hot water, 
that, or we get squeezed, we're going through pressure, and we're, we're going through maybe the, the pains and the ups and downs of life, that's when our real convictions, that's what we, when we, what we really believe shows up. You know, we can think lots of things and have all kinds of opinions, we can have all kinds of plans, but like Mike Tyson once said, until you get hit in the mouth, everybody has a plan. Everybody has a plan, but when it's when you're going through hot water, it's when you're going through the real stuff of life that your real convictions are shown. What do you hold dear? What do you hold as conviction in your heart about God and about his church and about his purposes? What do you believe about God and, and your relationship with him? I believe God calls broken people in his church to build his kingdom despite our brokenness. God uses a bunch of nobodies to tell everybody about somebody. And this somebody, Jesus Christ, walked the, the, the path of death to bring all of us to life. He's worthy of us worshiping Him. He's worthy of us following Him. He's worthy of us giving our lives to Him because He gave His life to us. Matthew 9 says this, The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. There's this... There's a whole harvest of people that are in need of God's love. There's a whole harvest of people that don't know the depths of God's love for them. There's a whole harvest of people that are setting in darkness and in brokenness and they're lost. And sometimes they know it, sometimes they don't. And it says there's, the harvest is abundant. The, the harvest God wants to bring in is full. But the workers are few. There's not enough people to meet the need and the demand of today's need in the world. Therefore, Jesus says, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out more workers into his harvest. Pray that God will send leaders. I've heard it said, for a friend of mine said, God most often answers our prayers in the form of sending us a leader that we need. Who's your leader and maybe who are you being sent to lead? What are you being prepared for so that you can step into your calling to lead and love people? The harvest is abundant. In Pierce County, or the 253, there's about a million people, give or take. About a million people. And I heard uh, recent statistics were showing that about 94% of churches in America are either declining, sinking, or, or they're plateaued, just staying the same. And only 6% were growing, healthy, life-giving. I believe that the church is the hope of the world. I want to be a healthy, be part of a healthy, life-giving community. Seeing God's hand at work. Seeing people raised from the dead. Seeing people raised from the, the worst situations and the worst pit. And, and see God reach down and pluck them out of their own issues, out of their own darkness, or darkness that others have put them in, and save them. So I want to tell you what we dream about here at Whitewater. We dream of bringing 10,000 people into the greatness of God, bringing 10,000 people in the next 10 years into a place of belonging. In Pierce County, where it's give or take a million, we would, there'd be a drop in the bucket, only be like 1% of the population. Just think about that. There's so many people need you. And I know there's so many churches that are doing their, their thing and they're, they're working hard, and we just want to be a church that says we are going to do what God asks us to do, and we want to partner with us, but we aren't going to, we aren't going to sit around letting other people do what the church should be doing. We're not going to sit around letting other churches do what we should be doing. We are going to be the church that follows Jesus Christ into the mission field, into the harvest.
We dream of seeing 5,000 of those 10,000 people experience a saving relationship with God. A total transformation of the heart where they give their lives to Jesus and they're transformed by His power in the next 10 years. And we also dream of seeing 2,500 core members, fully devoted Christ followers, totally sold out disciples of Jesus that are willing to say, God, use me, use my life. I don't want to waste it. Use every ounce, every drop of what you've made me to be. Grow me, help me, use my life. We want those kind of disciples to be part of the leadership, to be part of the movement of Whitewater so we can reach the people that, that need Jesus. That's our heart. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. I'm an example of this. I'm 13 years old. I didn't have many skills. Didn't look like much. I was probably about five foot five. Not very tall. Not very confident. Had lots of doubts about God. And yet God called me to be part of building his kingdom. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. doesn't matter what your gifts or lack of gifts or resources or lack of resources is, whatever that reality is, God will equip you as you're moving toward Him. When you set your sights on Jesus, you set your sights to complete the call that God has put in your life, and you're just going to continue taking steps. Even if you veer off, you know, uh, God has brought me back on the path through friends and through circumstances, but I always wanted to move toward Him. And even when I took steps back, God was always drawing me forward. And if you would follow the God who draws all men, all women to Himself... The, the reality is that that's where God equips and trains you and uses you and multiplies your efforts to transform a broken world. And I don't know why he uses us, why he doesn't just do the you know, miraculous only through Jesus and only through you know, the perfect people. But there's something about God, I think, that loves the underdog, that loves the broken so much so that it shows how great his love is when he uses broken people to help broken people. Amen? I wonder if there's any people here today feeling or hearing or struggling with the call of God in their life. I wonder if there's any people here today like me at 13 years old or my legs were kind of shaking and my heart was beating quickly and I couldn't even fully describe the experience or the sense of God's call on my life. And yet at 13, not knowing much, not having much, God began working in me. And anything that God has done in my life, it's, it's Him. It's, I'm so grateful to Him. I'm so grateful to be part of a church like this. I remember meeting in a home with just a few people. And then now life after life is being impacted. What could God do with people who are fully sold out for Him? What could He do with your life? And God can't use a life that's not submitted to Him in the way He wants can continue trying to get your attention and he can put you in situations god has a way of moving in our life but there's a reality where we have to we have to decide to say yes i'm going to submit my life fully to yours god and i want to follow your ways and some of us who have wandered from that is a, this is a call today to come back to your original calling to come back to your original purpose to remember that god has put you on this earth for a reason you're not just you know, molecules, and it's not just a world of dollars and cents, and it's not just a world of agendas and politics, that God underneath and overall is working His good and His love through this universe. Will we, will we join it? Will we be part of it? 
I wonder what God could accomplish through our church over the next 10 years with fully devoted, fully called, and committed kingdom builders. God does not call the equipped. He equips the calls. Remember that. You might not have what you need today, but God, He has the ability to train and to mold and to grow and to give you everything you'll need for the journey. He'll give you all the moments that you need for those moments of truth. And do you believe that this community of broken people is the hope of the world? The light in the darkness. And if so, step into your calling. Now at Whitewater, we, we want to do this. In a, we feel called to bring people into the greatness or the kingdom of God, into God's eternal relationship. We feel called to do it um, in a, as a process. Many of you guys have heard us talk about belonging before you believe. Um, you might wonder, how are we going to reach all those people? One thing is, I can't reach all those people, you can't reach all those people in Pierce County, but we can with the power of God. It's going to take all of us, it's going to take commitment, and it's going to take vision, it's going to take faith. But friends, that's the stuff that the New Testament church was made of, and I believe that the same God that created a movement then is creating a movement now. If you, you might have noticed this, we have these journey guides out on the, on the chairs nearby, if you want to pull those out. I want to show you how, like what's the process, what's the path forward as a church, what does this look like, what, what is the transformative process, the journey look like, and if you take your journey guide out, um, you'll notice that we have um, these, these, these clear purposes that are in the scriptures, all over the scriptures and all over the New Testament, you see over and over like the concepts or the purposes of God, and we put our own language on it, this, this isn't magical, mystical words, the language we've put on this are trying to describe the Jesus pattern, the Jesus purposes that you see in the New Testament church, and the, the first one is belonging, that we are all built for belonging. It says in John 13, so now I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. It's not how smart we are. It's not how amazing we are. It's not how talented. It's not like, you know, like how um, less hypocritical we are than other groups because we're all like struggling with brokenness. There are always going to be hypocrites in the church. I'm sorry, but if that wasn't true, then you couldn't belong either. The, the thing that, that God is interested in is a community, not in its brilliance or talent or whatever. It's a community that loves one another. They create a space of belonging and acceptance, like Christ who would hang out with the sinners and the tax collectors, and he would hang out with the religious muckety-mucks and all the people who thought they were somebody, and he would hang out with all of them, and he was speaking grace and truth to them, creating an environment of belonging that drove many of them crazy, but it drove many of them to their knees in, in, in love. It created a community of brokenness and grace. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. That's one of the purposes of God in the church is to create a community of belonging where we love people and they will know that we're his disciples by our love. We're built for believing. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Everyone who believes. We are designed, you are designed, I'm designed to believe in our, in our Heavenly Father. A person who has never put belief or faith and trusted God is like, it's like a light bulb that's disconnected from, from the light. 
It's, it's like there's no electricity. There's no ability to bring life because that current is not flowing through them. When we believe in God, all of a sudden our life turns on. We see things differently. There's a new electricity. We're given God's spirit. There's something that happens in our life that changes us. We are designed to believe. We're built for belief. We're also built for becoming. We're built for becoming. But to all who believed him and accepted him, everybody who took that step of faith and belief, the next step came in their journey. He gave the right to what? Become the children of God. To become who God has designed you to be. To become the person who can be free of that addiction. To be free of that issue in your life. You can become that person by the power of God. We are all designed to become. And, and then number four here is we are built for blessing. We are built for blessing. In Genesis 12, it says, God tells Abram, this, this man, he says, I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. All families, in fact, on the earth will be blessed through you. You and I are blessed to be a blessing. We're, we're supposed to be a church and a people that are looking to bless and serve others. That are, these are the eternal purposes of God that we see. We're just putting language on it. Belong, believe, become. And bless. And finally, you, if you might notice at the bottom of this, of this um, handout, it says we're, our goal is to bring people into the greatness of God. Bring them into the eternal life of God. Um, that's our goal. So when people are going through that process of belonging, believing, becoming, and blessing, as they're moving step by step, as you're helping people move step by step, or as someone is mentoring and helping you move step by step into the Jesus life, into the life of God, that is bringing people into the greatness of God. And when we're brought into His greatness, guess what happens to us? We begin changing. We begin changing. I say, wake up and look around. John 4 says this. The fields are ripe. Again, he says, the fields are ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. People being brought into the greatness of God. Now, if you pull these guides out and really take a look at this, I, I want to let you know why, why this is so important. These are the eternal purposes of God, but it's also a process. It's also a process, and you can throw that up behind me. Yeah, so everyone begins, at, maybe they're beginning before faith, and they're looking at Christianity. They're looking at um, the Christian faith saying, is this for me? And maybe there's some skepticism. Maybe there's pain or hurt in their life that makes them wonder if that's for them, but they're not sure, but they're beginning to be interested in some way, shape, or form. So they begin exploring spirituality. And then the next step of faith often is a step Step of belonging, beginning to experience a Christian community where you're around people who believe certain beliefs. You might not believe, but you're beginning to explore in community. And in and, and this way, you can start belonging before you believe. You, you, uh, you begin to take steps and find needed answers. I'm not going to read through all this, but I want to give you just the, the, what the process looks like in general. And everyone's different. You might not fully fit this, but the, this can be really helpful to know where we're at in our spiritual journeys. Um, sometimes people are struggling in this point of belonging. They're struggling to believe that they can really have freedom in their life, that they can really uh, be forgiven in their life. And they're working through that. The next step is believe. This is where there's often a faith commitment where people believe that Jesus is God. He's the risen Lord and Savior. And that then they make a personal decision to follow him and receive forgiveness and love. And they hand over control of their life to God. And then last week we saw people get baptized. Nine people got baptized. It was amazing. And they're making a declaration of faith and of belief. 
And, and, and often this, this is where people can start a mentoring relationship. If you start believing in God, I would so encourage you to have a mentor, uh, a coach, a spiritual guide that helps you move forward um, as you've got questions and are working forward. And then often the next step is the step of becoming. This is where you bring your whole life under the leadership of Jesus. And that means you kind of realign new values that you have uh, or the, the values from your old life start realigning to the values of Jesus and, the, and biblical values. New habits start to take place so that you can grow. You start learning how to pray. You start learning to read your Bible. You start coming to church. You start getting, uh, you start growing and changing some of the habits of your life. And then one of the big ones here is that, that we're not just receiving from God. We, cause we, in belief, we receive forgiveness, receive God's spirit, receive God's love, all these amazing things that God gives us. But when we become the son or daughter of God, that's when we begin growing in maturity and we start giving. And often they'll give, um, people begin to give generously their time, their talent, their treasure, and their story or testimony to serve God and to serve people. And lastly, there's this phase or this, this area stepping into to blessing where you all of a sudden become a blesser. You all of a sudden have grown and matured so that you are blessing the world. You can articulate your story of faith. You can articulate God's love to somebody. You can share with somebody your faith. You begin to mentor others. You begin to help them take their steps. And you go to the beginning of this and start helping people who are beginning and belonging and then believing and then becoming. And then you help them and they help others. And this is the movement of God where it just starts going over and over. And you become a a guide and a, a mentor to others to begin living in the purposes of God. And you serve your community faithfully. People who bless can can identify and prioritize people who don't know Jesus. They don't forget about them. People who don't know Jesus mean a lot to them. And they want to help and serve and bless them. And this is the pattern, the Jesus pattern that we see. And friends, I I, I want to ask you, well, actually, let let me mention this. Would you throw that? Oh, it's right here. Sometimes church communities can flip the order. And I think the order isn't everything, but the order changes everything. Sometimes church communities can put believe on the front end. And so, and belonging is like the third thing or the second thing. And if, and what happens is we send this message to the world who wants to know Jesus is that they have to believe before they can belong. That they have to change their life so that God can accept them. But the message of grace is what? God loves me as I am. And so people can belong as they are and then believe. Amen? The order isn't everything, but it changes everything. I want to challenge you. Would you let me be your spiritual coach? Um, I want to ask you four powerful questions. And I want to ask you to, to consider turning this in today so that we can know how to help our church grow. But here's the four questions. If you would let me be a spiritual guide for you today. First one is this. Where are you on your spiritual journey right now? Where would you identify yourself in these phases or maybe between these kind of steps of faith, belonging, believing, becoming, and blessing? Where are you right now? Or where were you before this faith uh, series started, where we started the series of Built? And then where would you like to be? Identify where would you like to be in six months to a year? Where, what step of faith would you like to see? What would you like to see God doing in your life? Look at this and go through that. And then question three is what is standing between you and that point? What is standing? Is it your past? Is it your lack of knowledge? Is it you're just content? What's standing between you, where you're at now, and where you want to be in six months to a year? And then finally, what will it take to move beyond those barriers? And you'll notice on the back of this are these four questions that I'm asking right now. You can go through these on the, on the back of this spiritual, um, spiritual journey guide. 
So what will it take to move beyond those barriers? A step of faith? Maybe experiencing God's forgiveness? Some people, it's a crisis. I never understood that one. They're like, man, I, God's got to really blow up my life for me to want to turn to him. Like, no, do it before then. Um, but what would it take for you to move forward? Those four questions can radically help you grow and change your life. And it doesn't matter where you're at in your journey. It matters where you're headed. What's the next step for you? Amen? All right, guys, we got some really cool stuff. I'm going to ask some friends, actually. Can I get some help to move these uh, uh, chairs up here? And I, I want to um, introduce you to some friends in a moment. Hey, hey, hey. Isn't it nice to have a band backing up like this? It's just, they make it, they make it easy and great. Um, cool. I'd like to welcome up. Would you welcome uh, my friends, Denny and Nate, as they come on up here for a moment? Hey! Yes. So these are my friends, Nate and Denny, and they are awesome. They got the first experience of being up front, and it was probably a little terrifying. Is it even scarier now with more people staring into your souls? You know, <laughs> just don't look at them. Um, no, this is, Denny told me before she came up in first service, she's like, uh, I do pass out, so if I do, just keep going. I was like, all right. <laughs> most uncaring bastard. So Denny, what do you think about that? That's really interesting. Mm. Um, but this is my friend Nate. I wanted to uh, him to share a little bit of the story of, of what God's been doing since we started this series called Built, uh, where we're stepping out in faith as a church and challenging um, individuals to step out in their faith. You had a, a really cool opportunity that your group stepped into. Would you mind sharing what God has done during this Built series? Yeah, so um, our group and another group, Derek and Melissa's group, um, have partnered for a while, a little while now, uh, blessing Spinning Elementary. So Spinning Elementary is just down the road on Pioneer, um, and they're one of the lowest income level elementary schools in Puyallup, um, which also correlates to them being one of the lowest attended um, schools. So that's kind of the original idea was to kind of bless them in areas um, just from a lot of, like, food needs and... Um, kind of helping encourage attendance. So we started there, and then we are recently at a, a leaders meeting, and there's some other groups that do a lot of, um, have regularly done Easter egg hunts. And so we kind of looked at each other like, oh, should we do an Easter egg hunt for spinning? You know, we've been wanting to do more things for them and, you know, different ideas. And it was kind of a, one of those situations where you have this great idea in front of you, and it's like, yeah, let's do it. But usually you don't follow through on it. Um, so we're like, you know what, let's just commit to it. We're, yeah, we're doing it. You know, we're, we say we're going to do it. And so some of the other groups, um, Samantha's in particular, the Fredrickson group, has been doing theirs for uh, around five years now. So they offered for us to come help them kind of see the experience, what it's like, and then they would in turn um, also allow us to use a lot of the games and different things and ideas that they have in place already. Um, so we did that, partnered with them, got to see how things kind of were going, and then... 
um, also at the same time coordinating ours. So we were a little bit worried because one of the key pieces was getting the word out that we are doing this. Um, and if you've ever worked with a school district of any sort, there's a lot of rules and requirements as far as like getting that uh, flyer sent out through the email system. So our actual flyer didn't get approved until basically the day before the event. Um, so we were kind of worried, you know, like how many kids will we really get? You know, how big is this really going to be? Um, luckily, their principal, who is a strong Christian woman, uh, really loves that the churches step up and um, help out. And, and so she wanted to help us out in any way. So she actually created an automated message directly from her that went out to every parent. Um, so that definitely helped um, spread the word uh, really well. So day of the event, we're setting everything up, and we're kind of in our minds thinking, you know what, if we can just get, you know, around, you know, 30 kids, so like 10%, you know, that'd be a great first year, like first start um, to this and, you know, hopefully grow it in the future. And so we're setting up, and we're kind of like last minute getting everything ready, and it's pretty much about the time that's going to start, and there's already kind of people waiting on the outside, like, to come in. And we're like, all right, awesome. There's already some here. We know we're at least going to get some, you know, kids and some families here to bless. Um, and then within 10 to 15 minutes, it had really grown. And then by 30 to 45 minutes, it was just completely, like, full um, in the area. So um, I think in – I was thinking there was probably at least around 100 kids. I think George said – With like, parents and, you know, families, it was probably close, close to 300, between 250 and 300. Yeah. Um, and so spinning actually – Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> <clears throat> Yeah, so spinning only has 300 kids total at the school. So to get that kind of number was just, like, amazing. Um, and uh, so some of the real, real big highlights of it were, um, one, there was a lot of good conversations of, from parents and people in the area um, just asking about Whitewater and, um, you know, just kind of let them know where we were and how close we were to them um, and some of the different things that we, you know, tried to do and blessings for the community. Um, for me personally, I think the biggest highlight was at the very end, um, after the Easter egg hunt, kind of walking around cleaning up some of the areas, and there was parents that had been talking to each other um, throughout the event, and then I heard a few of them, like, you know, saying goodbyes to each other and stuff, and um, specifically saying, you know, so great to meet you, you know, hopefully we see you around at other um, school things and stuff. And so just the fact that we were able to bring those people together and get them to start communicating with each other and really growing the individual, their own individual community, and then possibly, you know, leading that into, um, you know, whitewater community and just a blessing, um, bringing them towards Christ as well, um, was just, you know, great to see that aspect. Um, and then I think the biggest takeaway for all of us in both groups was it's so easy to have these great ideas and have things and want to do things for people and want to bless people and then we think of it and it's like oh it's so much and we have so much to do and it's it's hard to take that step um and for i think all of us we realized after taking it one it's really easy to take that step Mm -hmm. um the church and just the people here really like helped us you know we weren't doing it alone it wasn't just us on our own and we had a lot of you know help and people that have done it before and willing to offer um services we had not just our groups that volunteered, but also other people from other groups stepped in and helped us the day of the event as well. Um, And it was just really, in the end, um, just really easy. And to be able to see that impact 
for that many people. I mean, if we would have never been at that meeting, would have never been able to take that step, that would have, you know, those 300 plus people would have never got to experience mm-hmm. a blessing. And the fact that they are a lower income area, I mean, those pieces of candy and those little prizes and those bubbles are things that they may have never gotten, you know, throughout their childhood and things like that. So um, it was just really impactful for us to see how just a small little step for us can create just, you know, so much blessing and um, reward for people in our community. He's just, Nate is hitting something that is just so important. It just takes a step of faith. Just takes one step of faith, and I mean, you and and Isabel like took the lead, took the lead in the charge of that, and and how many other communities could be blessed just by one step of faith? People ga- gathering together, and say, "Hey, we're going to make a difference." I just love that. You mind giving my friend Nate a hand? Appreciate it. Thank you. <clears throat> it's my friend Denny, and. Um, you, I got, I got your story. It came in, and I just read part of it. I was like, "This is such an amazing story. It's so personal." Um, I really wanted you to share it with our church. And so, would you, would you just give them uh, kind of that quick overview and and um, of what's happened in your life since the built campaign? Yeah. Um, so when I was thirteen, I did not find out I wanted to be a pastor. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> I um, started being chronically ill, and um, have ever since. I actually had my bladder removed four years ago, and um, I had a, a pick line and had, it's like a, a long-term IV, mm. and I had daily infusions. And um, it's been really hard to reach out to people and make relationships because my life is so heavy and hard. It feels like I'm just a burden to people, and like I'm just kind of a lot of work, and I can be flaky with my health and everything, so... Um, I haven't really pursued a lot of friendships, especially friendships with women. But um, I was invited to join a women's group through the Built series. And, um, well, actually, Heather picked me up, so I didn't really have a lot of choice. But, <laughs> just drop by. But, um, she does that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, I went, and I opened up a little bit about my story, and I felt really accepted and loved, and it was great. And then I got really sick, and um, I had really high fever, and my heart rate was really high, and I needed to get to the hospital. And um, I, my husband and my mom were busy, so I sent out a group text, and I was a little worried about doing that, but everybody jumped in, and um, like within 15 minutes, I was picked up and dropped off at the emergency room, which actually she wanted to come in with me with her two babies, but I had to convince her that I was okay. But then um, I was triaged, and they actually had called code sepsis, and it was a septic kidney infection, and my pick line was infected as well. And um, Mm. so I was pretty sick. And I had, in that time, I had a couple of of them come and visit. And then that Sunday, which is when we usually met, um, they decided instead of having group in a home with snacks and chairs. They came into my tiny hospital room, all of them, and um, (laughs) they gave me this royal hospital treatment. They braided my hair and massaged my feet and painted my toenails, and um, it was amazing, actually. I felt like this, this burden of my life, of my health, of me, was like, I was. They took it a little bit of it, and it all felt a lot lighter. And it felt like 
I could do it with them. And I, and I know that God gave me them as tools to get me through that particularly hard time. Mm. And, um, you know, the hard part about this story is that there's not this like epic. And then I was healed. (laughs) 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 Like I definitely look better than I did in those pictures, but I'm still far from healthy and, um, they're still, so far, it's only been a couple of weeks, but so far they're still here and they seem like they are invested. And I, I've also like, I want to be a part of their lives. And even though I have a lot going on, I want to take some of their burdens. Mm. And it's been this amazing journey of like finding women that are all in different life stages and we're all just like there for each other and going through life together. And um, I just encourage people to like step out and hope for the best and assume that everyone is looking for the best in you, not the worst in you. They're not looking at you as a project or a a hard, you know, thing they have to take on. They're looking at you as all the good stuff that you might not even see. Mm. And in doing that, you can find some really great friends and some relationships that can strengthen your faith and Mm. just really be a blessing in your life. No, that's huge. Um, yeah, it really moved me when I was hearing such a, I mean, that's a, that's creating a community of belonging. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's loving one another. It's blessing our community. Um, thank you guys. I, uh, here's the, what I do know. The vision of what we're talking about, of being a church of love and belonging and community, none of that matters unless we individually own it. And so thank you guys for owning that. Thank you for sharing your story with us so it ministers to us. Thank you to the people who are blessing and part of this. And if there's anybody out there that's like, man, I want to be part of that, but I've got this barrier, this barrier, this barrier. Man, just let Jesus move those barriers out of the way. Receive from people. Step into relationships and just see what God would do. Um, thank you guys so much. Um, I'm going to pray for my friends and, uh, and then we'll sing together for a little bit. Heavenly Father, thank you for my friends. Would you bless uh, Denny and her family? Would you bless Nate and, and his? And thank you for their faith and thank you for their uh, vulnerability and authenticity to share their story. And God, we just pray that we see more and more of this. There's so many people who they need to have stories like this. That, Lord, they need to be ministered to. They need to step out in faith and see you show up in amazing ways. And so we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Would you give a big thank you to my friends?